burning last thought they want to get in in the last 10 seconds. But, oh, uh, maybe Taco Charlton to uh, the Patriots. I'll I'll yeah, but double <laughs> Michigan defensive ends, why not? The yeah, Pats are all in. They no one the, even knows how good that guy beat might the be. the Dolphins 43 nothing. That'll do it for <laughs> us. Uh, we thank all the new people here joining uh, and wish them the best of luck with their future WCBN and University of Michigan careers. Uh, we are done here, so I uh, wish you, as always, a good day and a go blue. This is war to extermination. Fight cell by cell through bodies and mind screens of the earth. Souls rotten from the orgasm drug. Flesh shuddering from the ovens. Prisoners of the earth come out. Storm the studio. Burnt metal smell of interplanetary war in the raw noon streets. Swept by screaming glass blizzards of enemy flak. Shift lingwals, free doorways, cut word lines, photo falling, word falling, breakthrough in gray room, towers, open fire. Citizen, you are listening to WCBN-FM in Ann Arbor. Guilt, blast, pound, stab, strap, kill. Pilot Kane. Okay, well, uh, Citizen, you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, and my chair just collapsed. Stay out of that tweet flack. Yeah. Well, welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And I've already somehow misplaced my uh, little envelope with the agenda, but eh, let's just uh, wish John Bolton well. <laughs> I'm not going to miss him. Well, he'll land, uh, you know, as a... Analyst on Fox News, no doubt. Well, that's where Trump discovered him, and I don't know why he was ever hired to begin with. Um, he is a kind of a strange hybrid of neoconservative and just imperialistic hawk. And, uh, well, I think it's interesting that I guess he'll, he'll be remembered for the dispute as to whether he resigned or was fired. And He says, I, I'll... Someday my story will be told, and whether that's uh, advance hype for a book, which he's no doubt already been offered a deal on, or uh, you know a round of chat shows in the next month, who knows? But uh, uh, you know, Mattis has a new book, for example, yeah. and uh, being a military guy, he probably doesn't go into the kind of uh, excoriating details that many of us would like to hear about just how pig-headed the commander-in-chief is with uh, regard to or disregard to the available facts. Yeah, and, uh, you know, w one of the things that I suspect, 
and I don't think this will come out for a while, but I do somewhat suspect that he might have resigned over the uh, Taliban meeting at Camp David. Yeah. That was sort of a suddenly strange announcement made by the president, probably to change the subject from other matters, including, by that point, the continuing embarrassment about Alabama. That story keeps <laughs> bubbling along. And... uh I'm sure that Bolton did not appreciate the sort of haphazard, disorganized process, of course the British say process, that went on in the foreign policy realm of of Donald Trump. And we're seeing some of that chaos uh, this weekend with the uh, attacks in the Persian Gulf, actually in Saudi Arabia proper. We don't know who did this. We don't know what really is going on yet. It's strange that both Pompeo and the Secretary of Defense are accusing Iran of this. Well, of course, there's uh, elections in Israel tomorrow. Netanyahu would love it to be Iran also. Uh, He's been whipping up the uh, dogs of war for years now, uh, trying to get the U.S. to go after Iran in some sense. Um, I'm, you know... Obviously, uh, the U.S. has intelligence agencies and, and operatives, and it'll take some time for the information to be put into the hands of hopefully somebody in Congress who can make a, a reasoned assessment. But it's not entirely impossible that the Saudis themselves did something like this. It's spiked up oil prices. Let's face it, oil prices have been low. There's a glut of oil on the market at the moment. Um, and, of course, the United States and Russia would like to see higher oil prices as well. Indeed, they would. Uh, Iran, of course, is, in theory, unable to sell much oil. Uh, and I don't understand how Iran benefits from this at the moment. Then, on the other hand... Yeah, that's one of my background thoughts, too. Is it might actually be the Houthis. Um, this is asymmetrical warfare. This has been discussed, by the way, for... Uh, decades about the various theories of warfare and uh, some of those prognosticators back in the 70s and 80s were correct. That was, quote, one of the lessons of Vietnam. Hmm. Unfortunately, America didn't learn too many other lessons about Vietnam. And let's face it, we've ratcheted up a lot of tension in the Middle East because of our withdrawal from the Iran nuclear deal. Uh, Iran is openly defying that, but I just want to keep pointing out that when you read about enriching uranium to 3.9%, have no fear. That's got nothing to do with uh, nuclear weaponry. You need enriched uranium that's about 99% pure. So uh, this is something quite different. It's always been quite interesting and ironic that one of the old, old articles I have about the origin of the uh, war in Yemen, because this is basically what logic says, that's what this is, that this is this was uh, connected to that in some way. Yeah. Perpetrated by the Houthis. Um, this Yemen, of course, has been a mess for decades. It was a pawn in the Cold War, and uh, it's... One of the only reasons I ever kept this article uh, from uh, April 3rd, 2015, was this was the day that they announced the uh, tentative framework for the Iran deal. 
On the other side of this paper, it's interesting, disarmament groups embrace framework deal. Israel criticizes it. Seeking sanctions relief, Iran agrees on outline to limit nuclear program. And this, of course, is a reference to the treaty then yes. underway that the Obama administration secured uh, that was looked on with, you know, favor by our uh, conventional and traditional European allies, uh, most of whom Trump has uh, eschewed and, uh, you know, sort of brushed away. Another headline uh, from the page behind the article I'm going to get to in a second. Congress responds cautiously to framework and demands right to review deal. There's a news analysis, uh, which is a continuation of the first page, which I probably have somewhere else. But it just says Tehran's clenched, clenched fist loosens, if only slightly. And uh, after agreement, analysts weigh deals effects on Iranian politics, which, of course, haven't changed much since 2015. But of real interest, or one of the reasons I just coincidentally kept this uh, whole edition, is this was the beginning of the Saudi airstrikes on the Houthis mm. in northern Yemen. Uh, the Houthis had basically just advanced on, advanced on the capital, Sana'a. Yemen, of course, is an incredibly complicated story. There's a variety of separatist groups. Uh, civil war has been going on there for decades. It's never really been a unified state. It's sort of a tribal warlord situation of the first order. And uh, the article written by David Kirkpatrick and Karim Fahim has some interesting observations. I just wanted to read a couple of them. The Houthi movement portrayed as Iranian proxies by the Saudis, but few others, has continued its advances despite nine nights of Saudi-led airstrikes. And what's going on here is that the Saudi uh, airstrikes, which are American weapons, mm -hmm. are occurring uh, at this time. It then mentions, of course, that the architect of this Saudi offensive is uh, Crown Prince bin Salman, Mohammed bin Salman, MBS. The article says, The Saudi government has not disclosed Prince Mohammed's precise age, but he is believed to be around 30. He was one of the only men in his generation of the royal family to be educated entirely in Saudi Arabia without schooling abroad. Uh, this is when he's the designated successor, and he had just recently taken over a number of positions. Um, so he was behind this. Uh, Robert Jordan, a former ambassador to Saudi Arabia, said the Saudis run the risk of alienating much of the Yemeni's population because of these airstrikes. And uh, there is a picture of the Yemen, uh, Yemeni's capital, Sana'a, that shows uh, quite a bit of rubble and chaos. There's a picture of a man inspecting his house uh, who lived in Sana'a that was destroyed. Uh, the Saudi reasoning behind the campaign rests on what most analysts outside the kingdom say are flawed assumptions about the nature of the Houthi movement. 
an indigenous group based in North Yemen. The Houthis practice a variety of Shiite Islam and have received financial support from Shiite-led Iran, but many Yemenis and Western diplomats say the Houthis are independent of Tehran. They have fought six conflicts with the Yemenese government since 2004, and scholars say that they only began receiving Iranian support in the few past years, since about 2010. So when you hear all of the uh, descriptions of the Houthis as being an Iranian proxy, uh, think again. Uh, it's not quite that simplistic, and I don't know. And, of course, it goes into another aspect of this conflict, that there are is a separatist movement in southern Yemen, uh, down near Aden, in the, the Gulf of Aden. Yemen, by the way, is a huge geographic country. Be amazed how big it is. Yeah, it's much bigger than you'd think or that it, it appears on a map. So it will be fascinating to see the public relations um, tactics of the Trump administration over the next couple of days. Well, not least for the fact that we have acting secretaries all around, acting secretary of defense, acting director of national intelligence. None of these guys have been Senate confirmed. Uh, it's a sycophantic uh, accumulation of ill-informed, underqualified people. So uh, clearly our allies have shrugged and said, well, okay, the U.S. is out to lunch. Um, and, you know, it creates an obvious power vacuum for incidents like this to occur. Uh, of course, uh, when the president foolishly tweets language like, we're locked and loaded, which, you know, means the guns are ready to point. Um, that's the wrong message, uh, before all the facts are in, certainly. Um, it sure looks like it's Iran. Well, that's easy to say, but let's find out. Um, but just to jump straight to the locked and loaded thing, of course, that's typical blowhard, uh, language for, uh, for senior clown pants. He'll say something like that and then he'll back away. Cause I mean, uh, the rise in oil prices, the uh, UAW strike that was announced uh, last night here in Michigan, uh, these are not helpful things for Donald J. Trump in the economy. And, of course, there have been other airstrikes in the region just the, over the past six weeks. Recall that uh, Iran shot down an American drone. Hmm. What is an American drone doing over in that region anyway? Well, we know. Uh, it's the John Bolton theory of American imperialism, and this is part of the problem. Mm -hmm. uh, this region, of course, is uh, very messy. There are many factions. Uh, it's quite well known that the uh, American uh, government is, is short on <laughs> linguistic talent, for one. Well, and... and Trump's uh, tendency to defer, as he's done repeatedly, to the Saudi kingdom. I mean, let's be clear. It's a kingdom. It's the only country in the world named after and run by a family. Um, he thinks that's just great. 
he kind of imagines that that's what America is under his tenure. Um, but his willingness to take their word over the word of the intelligence agencies here with regards to the even to call it a murder of uh, the journalist, uh, Washington Post journalist Khashoggi, uh, it was a vivisection, which is a special kind of murder. Yeah. Like one of the most horrible things you could imagine. That's what they did. Oh, no, no. They didn't do that. That was somebody else. Uh, his willingness time and time again to uh, let the, uh, the Saudis call the shots uh, should make everybody very suspicious and skeptical about uh, this whole process. And, of course, he views Saudi Arabia as a major purchaser of military equipment. It has emerged in recent uh, weeks that Saudi Arabia is now the third largest um, purchaser, shall we say, of international arms. And the region is just simply escalating with problems. There are, of course, some speculative reports that this was uh, these strikes came from Iraq. And we know who's running Iraq these days, not the United States, uh, but uh, Shiite-led um, people that are connected to Muqtada al-Sadr. And uh, this question, of course, was never answered during the run-up to the war. We heard a little bit about that in the debate <laughs> on uh, whatever night it was. That was actually the first debate I really saw. Uh, forgettable. There were a couple of moments, but I thought the questioning was pretty lame as usual. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, I just want to point... That's too many people on a stage for well, a proper debate, I think, for one thing. Yeah, that's one problem. And also, there some of the questions were so long, it was hard to know what the question was mm -hmm. after a while. Because it struck me that some of the moderators were, I don't know, auditioning for a position in the, <laughs> the Trump administration. No, I don't think so. I think that the moderators were not auditioning for a position in the Trump administration but may have been auditioning for a promotion. Little grandstanding, uh, yeah. Little grandstanding. Some of the questions were ridiculously long. I couldn't even follow them after a while. And, in fact, I thought one of Biden's big blunders, you know, the phonograph. <laughs> I thought the next night, that, that night, the next day, hey, Dad, what's a phonograph? <laughs> I kept thinking of the old 60s little suitcase, you know, that, Oh, the little uh, little portable yeah. dealie that teenagers would lay around on the floor and listen to 45s. Yeah, the yeah. 45s, yeah. I, th I thought of that immediately. Um, at least it wasn't a Victrola. I mean, at least he could have had the... Uh, Get out those Rudy Valley records. That's yeah. right. <laughs> at least he could have been cool enough to say stereo. <laughs> but uh, Biden's performance was uh, a little choppy. He had moments. In my book, Elizabeth Warren was clearly the winner. And unfortunately, Bernie Sanders is starting to sound a little bit like a broken phonograph record. Mm. Uh, there, he, there, there needs to be a kind of a freshening up of his delivery and his style. Uh, Mr. Castro is probably finito after his sort of backhanded slap at Biden about his memory. <laughs> And, of course, Beto O'Rourke is, I think, now on a different track altogether. Harris, I thought, had some moments. So, you know, we'll see what happens in a, in a month. Stay tuned. Uh, 
And, of course, the Alabama story uh, kept uh, bubbling around, and, gee, Israel was annexing part of the West Bank, a major part of the West Bank. Yeah, indeed. They're actually going to have, under Netanyahu's plan, which has been met with some derision, skepticism, and enthusiasm in certain quarters, though the Trump administration really hasn't said much about it. Uh, it's going to completely surround uh, the Palestinian areas. Um, so I'm not sure what the plan is here. Jared Kushner has got to sharpen his pencils up and sketch out a new plan. A new plan. The plan that we've never seen. The plan that appears to be essentially a kind of leveraged buyout. Yeah. Uh, by the Saudis, ironically. Indeed. <laughs> well, you know, uh, he had his sleepover with uh, MBS, and they got their flippy pajamas on and stayed up all night playing video games and sketched out this plan. And as for the war in Afghanistan, uh, which has seemed to be another issue of contention with Bolton and uh, Trump, let's face it, Pompeo is... A very clever, tricky man. He's, you can tell that he's positioning himself to run for president in 2024. No question about it. I have found it interesting that in the last three or four weeks, all the rumors have been that he was the one about to resign. Not because of conflicts with Bolton. I think that he was clearly prevailing on those debates. But the Republicans are worried about retaining the Kansas Senate seat. Uh, which, of course, is where Mike Pompeo is from. And I think it's quite clear that he has further ambitions. Than the Senate? Well, and to run for the Senate, because he would probably win. But also to, I think that it might have occurred to him in the last couple of months that being anchored to Donald Trump may be the political mistake of his career. Uh, I think, for instance, that when Nikki Haley, just to talk about the Republicans for a second, when she resigned rather suddenly during the Kavanaugh hearings, of course, he was back in the news. We don't need to talk about that. Uh, there's not There'll a, be more to come on yeah. that one, I suspect, that it sounds like there was a lot of uh, information that the FBI just wasn't given time to examine. Yeah, that was the unfortunate thing about that. And that, of course, was connected to rushing through the nomination with uh, almost identical to the Clarence Thomas uh, situation, I might add. But I thought it was interesting that Nikki Haley resigned in the middle of that uh, disaster, public relations disaster, because Trump, of course, was openly attacking uh, the witness, the professor back then. She's had to pretty much resign from public life and lives under a witness protection program, so to speak, but I don't think she's being protected by the Trump administration. <laughs> I think she probably has to uh, hire her own private security, and I don't know if the John Bolton mustache will work for her much longer, but wouldn't that be something? Hey, John, can I borrow that mustache? <laughs> I need to go undercover. But anyway, I think Nikki Haley realized that her uh, political future 
was being jeopardized by Donald Trump. So, of course, they euphemistically said that this had been in the works for months. I didn't believe it for one second, and I still don't. I think that Nikki Haley is a cagey, ambitious woman. Young enough to have a potential, you know, a political future. Sure. And and the the Senate seats in South Carolina aren't available uh, unless Lindsey Graham switches his positions yet again. Or joins the uh, Trump administration, as has been rumored that he has been, they've been trying to lure him in to take over uh, one of the uh, the top spots. Yeah, and, and this, this other rumor that uh, Pompeo is going to serve as Henry Kissinger II. <laughs> that is both Secretary of State and uh, NSA, uh, na- uh, National Security Advisor. At the same time. Yeah. Um, is is also out there. So those who, are big shoes to fill. They're very big shoes. He at least had a PhD in diplomatic history, and also many many war crimes. But <laughs> the uh, relationship between Kissinger and uh, Nixon is a classic one that really deserves. A Get move. down on your knees with me, Henry, yeah, and pray. Right. Let's pray. Let's pray. <laughs> you gotta think big, Henry, when he's talking about nuclear war. <sighs> But, of course, the cost of the war in Afghanistan, which Trump suddenly claimed he was uh, canceling the talks because uh, an American soldier had been... Because of that one guy. One guy. Yeah. We pointed out last week that there'd been an attack um, right, you know, while the uh, negotiations were going on. They killed like 11 guys. Yeah. No no matter there. And there have been more recently. Sure. There was one. Every today. week there's, yeah. uh, you know, at least a dozen. There's there's one today. And there's, of course, yep. the civilian count is just incalculable. Year after year after year. But um, the war in Afghanistan uh, was, has long been advocated to end. And I just wanted to read this uh, sort of summary of it. More than 2.7 million Americans have fought in the war since 20. Uh, 2001. Nearly 7,000 service members and nearly 8,000 private contractors have been killed. More than 53, that's, you know, roughly uh, 15,000. More than 53,700 people returned home bearing serious physical wounds and numberless more carry psychological injuries. More than 1 million Americans who served in a theater of war on terror, receive some sort of disability compensation from the Department of the Veterans Administration, Department of Veterans Affairs. So this is just an incredibly expensive, slow, draining war that's really got no light at the end of the tunnel, to borrow an unfortunate phrase, uh, from Vietnam. We haven't learned our lessons. Of course, we had a commemoration of 9-11 last week. Uh, I like to just kind of point out that since 9-11, more than one-half million Americans have died from gun violence here in the United States. Most have been suicides, but not all. Some years there have been as many as 15,000 homicides gun related gun related mm-hmm. and this and the number of armed robberies and other gun related crimes is uh, 
you know, is in the millions. And uh, yeah, it didn't take them long to, uh, you know, everybody has to take their shoes off at the airport now and everybody has to put their shampoo in a bag and they, you know, all these little things that really, you know, do you need to take your shoes off anymore? You know, they caught that guy and who had a thing in his shoes. So now everybody has to do the shoe thing, but they won't do anything about the guns. You know, oh, even an assault uh, weapons ban is that's more than we can really contemplate at this time they're combat weapons there's nothing to consider they're not for sport so all of the talk about you know more background checks and whatever is is probably not going to happen uh the nra is back in the driver's seat and uh, And mitch mcconnell has turned the senate into a graveyard uh, that nobody even really wants to run for anymore. You know, it makes, would make a hell of a lot more sense for Beto O'Rourke to run for John Cornyn's seat. Uh, he would probably stand a pretty good chance of taking it. Uh, despite his sort of uptick lately, um, he's obviously a very fiery individual and, and a strong speaker and charismatic and all that, and he's got a little bit of a boost uh, because of the emotional nature of his response to the latest round of uh, gun violence. Uh, but nobody wants to be in the Senate because it's where things go to die. Yeah. And Mitch McConnell is the epitome of death. As for the special election in the House in uh, <clears throat> N- North Carolina, no surprise there. I think that it is interesting that Donald Trump carried this district by 12 points, and this congressman won it by two. That, I think, is a relatively accurate re- reflection mm-hmm. of Donald Trump's overall slippage uh, nationwide. So if you declare a victory in a congressional seat that you've held for 50 years, uh, you're dreaming, pal. <laughs> We're out of time down here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor uh, with uh, Gray Matters. Stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling is coming up next. Thanks to Andrew for engineering. And remember the rally on the Ingalls Mall uh, this Friday at noon, the climate protest. It's Friday. Work is done. The week is over. And now you can get out of your tight pants and into your leisure suit. The Leisure Experiment is your one-hour sonic martini, served at 7 o'clock sharp. WCBN brings to you the finest selection of hi-fi hits. In full color. Tune Tune in in Fridays at 7 p.m. Man, do I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go fish that! Oh, come on! (laughs) This is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. That's Tampa Red and his combo in the background doing Midnight Boogie. They'll be singing it. Telling you it's time for Yazoo City Calling here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Jerry Mack. 
your host this evening for an hour-long excursion into the land of Delta Blues and early urban blues, performed and lived by the men and women who started it all. We'll let uh, Tampa Red